0: That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
1: before we get started with Benfoot Bubba episode 244 a couple things for you listener league few spots left give a rating review on the platform that you listen to show it to me and I'll let you on in we've got rooms for a few more 15 team leagues if we fill it up we'll start another one. So come give a rating review, preferably on iTunes. Help me out as it helps the podcast out a ton. Also, go check out the Fantasy Black Book. I did the catchers and relief pitcher previews. There were just 10 of us that contributed to make the 10th edition of the Fantasy Baseball Black Book a success. And right now, if you buy it, proceeds go to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Joe does this every year. Raises a lot of money during this period. So go check it out. St. Jude's Children's Hospital fundraiser for the Fantasy Black Book. Get on Amazon and iTunes. Go help out a great cause and be better in your fantasy leagues. But for now, Bench with Bubba, episode 244. Bub and the Bat Flip 24, Outfield Preview Part 1, ADP 1 through 45. Welcome back, everybody, to Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 24. We've made it to the outfield, and the outfield has so many options because most of us play in five outfielder leagues, 15 teams. That's 75 outfielders. Good for you. We're going to do 45 this week, most likely 45 next week. We've got some listener questions. We're going to get to some of them this week, the ones that pertain to players we talk about next week's pod. We're going to save till next week, just so you know. And it's gonna be a ton of great info. You can find me on Twitter at BD Intric and the Batflip portion to break all this down. Forty five outfielders. This is how we first this is when I was first on the, the Batflip Crazy show was talking about ninety outfielders. You can find me on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. Toby, we meet again.
2: We do, Bubba. We uh I mean this is like three days in a row for us. You know? Yes. Uh Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Who knows? Maybe we'll throw a couple shows in the middle of the week. Like this could this could be crazy. The great news for listeners, though, is that we have 45 outfielders to cover. And with how quick and concise we are with our analysis, this is bound to be a very short show. Yes. Yes,
1: hopefully you guys. Hey, I don't feel so bad, actually. Joel Henrad who's a, a very good follow, a very good analyst on his own. He was, um, I saw him tweeting today because uh, Mason and Paul did like almost a four hour labor draft, live labor draft. And he listed all the things he had accomplished during his day by listening to the podcast, and I was dying. I'm I'm sitting there going, I wonder what people do during our show. (laughs) God, That's awesome. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, we're going to do it. Normal deal. We kind of grouped them together, so we're not going to go as in-depth on every guy. We talked about a lot of these guys because they have a lot of multi-position eligibility. But we'll have some fun with it. If you guys listen to uh, episode 23 with Sammy, we also hit on... The Tampa Bay Rays uh, Padres trade to help you guys out there. Because there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter about that still to this day. So that'll be fun to listen to. But uh, let's get into the outfielders here. We're going to start with the big three. And we're using ADP NFPC online from January 26th for those keeping track at home. So the big three. Acuna going to pick one. Yelich two. Trout two. They're basically 2.33, 2.73. So technically Acuna, Trout, yellow, Which I mean Acuna, yellow Trout. Which is just bananas. But
2: how do you look at these three? I group them together because it's the big three. How do you break it down? Yeah, I think for me, if I were drafting right now, I think it's Acuna number one, just because Jelic, obviously he had the injury towards the end of last season. From everything I've heard, it's a, it should be healed. It shouldn't bother him next year. But again, we haven't seen him yet. And so I kind of want to see him play some spring training games, see how he's moving around, make sure there isn't any residual impact just because the the values are so close for them. Um, But I think if all of them are healthy heading into the year, I think Yelich would actually be my number one um, hitter overall. Uh, I just think the big separator is batting average. When you look at the projections, the difference between Acuna's batting average and Yelich's batting average, at least according to ATC, is 27 points. And that's not nothing right you're starting out with a 308 batting average compared to 281 so giving yourself a really nice cushion in the batting average department i don't necessarily he- see a huge difference between Yelich and acunha uh, when it comes to the power and neither do the projections or the runs and rbi so the question is really do you want you know your 27 points of batting average or do you want those 10 stolen bases and i actually lean towards the batting average in this situation just because i do think um, that given Yelich's you know history with the Brewers, um, he's shown that he runs. I mean, he had 30 stolen bases in 2019. He had 22 the year before that. 24 seems very very reasonable. Um, but I think that um, uh, I think that I'd rather have the batting average boost towards the beginning because you're going to have plenty of picks um, with a solid stolen base start like Yelich has to catch up. And then I think Trout is a third for me. Uh, Just because the the stolen bases, you know, 20 stolen base difference between him and Acuna is much different, uh, and and he's only got the uh, 17-point batting average gap there. You know, slightly better counting stats maybe, but again, I feel more confident making those up. So if I were to rank them, everybody being healthy, I would go Yelich, Acuna, and Trout. But as everybody has said, you can't really go wrong with any of those three unless you're picking them ahead of course, of Garrett Cole. and Jeff. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that the whole Sorry. time. I've got a brand I've got to
1: stick to, Baba. And you do. You do. It's, it's darn impressive. Um, <laughs> it, I, I credit you because I try to stick to mine, but I kind of go with the flow. You stick to your brand. I will never, ever question that. Um, you said it the best, though, at the end there. It, you can't go wrong with any of these three. Like If an injury happens, I don't want to see victory laps and people saying I told you so because that's just garbage. These three are the best three going into the season. And uh, Mike Trout, there's been guys tweeting it out that what's the consistent thing? Every year you're going to a draft, it's this guy and Trout, this guy and Trout. Who are you taking number one? Well, Trout's on the list again. And he, he's that darn good. Now, he's a little banged up last year, which we haven't seen a ton of. Uh, year after year, we see the stolen bases, you know, drop down. But the power's legit. He had some crazy stats last year. Like, if he didn't miss time... He was on pace for like 50, 60 home runs. Like it was stupid, the numbers he was putting up and the on pace, which is still fictitious. But we all can dream of what Mike Trout could have done because he just put – you know, for missing as much time as he did, he still almost won the MVP award. So that just tells you how good he was. Uh, but yeah, he's going to get you the runs, the RBIs, the homers, good batting average, really no stolen bases like you said. Yellick gets you gets you the homers, the runs, the stolen bases and the average. You got Acuna gets you the power, the runs the RBI is the stolen base is not so much the average. So it just kind of dictates what do you want? What do you, like you said, what do you prefer? You prefer the average with Yellick. I prefer the steals with Acuna. So I'm probably going Acuna. But every time I say that, I still feel so weird passing up on Mike Trout. So it's something I've always said is give me the third pick. Um, you know, in bar, if I had the fourth, so I took the fourth. It's one of those, before we had to redraw picks, I drew one. I was going to take the third pick. Um... Just give me one of those three. I kind of don't even want to pick it. Just just make it happen. But like you said, you can't go wrong. They're all phenomenal players. So enjoy it. And uh, the good thing is Acuna and Yelich especially, we might see them up there for a long time. I don't see Trout dying off anytime soon. But you never know. Big guys, once they get hurt, I'm just praying to God it doesn't happen this year. For sure. And Bubba, oh, Mike Trout yes. did win the MVP this year. Oh, he did. God, see, I, I I thought he did. But
2: I was like sitting there going, he missed a lot of time. There's no way he did <laughs> win it. Jesus he did. Christ. I was like, I was like, yeah, no, I had the same, I had the same response where I was like, kind of like, wait a second, didn't he win it? But yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it is incredible. I mean, he's just like in OBP. leagues, He is just an absolute force yep. of nature. Um, I remember Eno got him with the second pick in, in the barf draft this weekend. And when I look at my valuations, he was like $6 higher in OBP than any other player. So.
1: Yeah. He only played 134 games, 600 plate appearances. He, you know, he, he last three years 507, 608, 600. It's crazy to think the numbers he's putting up with really, you know, a guy like Mike Trout prior to that 681, 682, 705, 716. He was giving you another 80 to 100 at bats that he's been giving you lately. And the number that's what I'm saying. Like he was on paces to get like 55 to 60 home runs. And he's st- in 134 games, 45, 110, 104, still 11 steals being banged up. Prior to that, 24, 22, 30. So maybe he gets that back. Still hit 291. You mentioned the OBP. You know, the more I look at this now, that's why it's crazy. Like, Trout's probably the best player, period. But they all have their little intricacies that make them all valuable in their own right. So can't go wrong. I go Acuna, Trout, Yellick. You go Yellick, Trout, Acuna. If Yellick's healthy, I think you said. So, uh, yellow, yellow, uh, Acuna trout, 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 but yeah, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong either way. All right, let's go to the next three here. So after the big three, it's pretty simple. It's going to be those three, whatever pattern you want. It's those three. Then you might sprinkle in a starting pitcher, but we've seen that in these drafts. Then you got Cody Bellinger going about pick between four and five. You got Mookie Betts, the new Los Angeles Dodgers. It became official on Monday going about pick six and a half, seven. And then it drops down to Juan Soto at eleven. So these are the last three you're going to see in the first round until at least mid second round for the most part. Very interesting dichotomy here. Two of them on the same team. One of them took the, the heart and soul away from the Dodgers last year and won a World Series. What's your take on these three?
2: Yeah, for me, um, you know, it is. It's a nice little group. I think for me, it's it's Bellinger and Betts up at the top, just because of just because of the speed. Um, I I just think that that's a little bit of a separator with Soto. Obviously, Soto, um, you know, stole more bases than I think any of us were anticipating last year, and he just gets better and better. And so it's hard to say, you know, that he's not going to get even better than last year. But I just think from a uh, just from like counting on them standpoint, I I just think he's not, he's not, he's not quite at the same level yet as uh, Bellinger and Betts. I have him as twenty nine dollar player with his ATC projection compared to Betts and Bellinger who are 34 and 33 respectively. And to be honest with you, I I was a little surprised in thinking about this because normally I'd be all over Betts as kind of the guy that I would want in this particular situation. But um, I don't know. I might actually lean Bellinger. Uh, I think Betts being added to the team actually helps him considerably when you Mm -hmm. think about the RBI potential and there is a little bit of a question. I mean, don't get me wrong. Betts is great. He still should go in the top half of the of the first round, um, or at least you know, depending on the size of the league, because you got to fit in Degrom and Cole and Verlander and Bueller and and those guys before him, obviously. But um, uh, that, that was a joke, everybody. <laughs> um, thank you. God, I, I, I thought you, I thought I thought you were dead serious. I think for sure. Um, and then and then there is, like, a little bit of these murmurs, I think, on Twitter. People are kind of looking into Betts' batting average home versus away. And while generally I wouldn't put a ton of credence in that, um, you know, except for Manny Machado, as I've tried to say on this podcast before, I do think Fenway is such a unique hitter's park because of the, the monster and also because right field is so big. You know, I think it really does help with batting average. And how many times do you see – Mookie just slapped the ball into right field um, for a base hit, so you know there may be a little bit of a, a batting average dip as a result of that. Still a very very good player, but I might actually lean, uh, I might actually lean Bellinger in this particular instance, just because I do think that um, it's a pretty it's a pretty strong profile, and the first base outfield eligibility kind of pushes it over. So my rankings would go Bellinger, Betts, and Soto in that order.
1: I agree with your order. Uh Bellinger for me, and this is coming from a guy who's if for people have listened to the show long enough, or if you're new to the show, I'll say it again for the upteenth time. I've been wrong on Cody Bellinger. I have accepted this. He's very, very good. Like very, very good. The the, the hole in the swing, it's impressive that he, he gets it done. The power is legit. And like you said, with bets coming there, that's just so many more RBIs. Like um I wrote a piece on on Betts coming to the Dodgers for Baller, and Looking at his numbers, it's crazy what Betts does. 135 runs scored recently. He can do it in all aspects of the game. He's got no problem just, you know, working his way on base, like you said, slapping it the other way, setting the table. He's got the power if he needs it. But uh, you mentioned with Finlay with with Betts, the monster, he hits the ball so hard and he pulls the ball a ton. But at the same time, he doesn't – he hits almost the same amount of the line drives as five balls. And then Fenway that goes into the monster, not over the monster. So it's definitely something to uh, to keep in mind that he might get a few more to fly out in uh, in LA to left field at the same time. Some of those small pops that went like just onto the monster are going to be outs in LA where he's going to benefit. And I noticed it when I wrote the article, and then um, Eno and I were talking about it on Saturday. Center field in Dodger Stadium is very friendly to him compared to Fenway, like you said. Center field, right center field in Fenway. You slap it there, you get your double, your triple, you walk away because it's it's much more pitcher friendly there in box in uh, L.A. Much better confines. If you look at like if you go on Baseball Savant and do an overlay of just his balls to center, like left center to right center, put it into L.A., you're going to be very happy with what you see there. Now, obviously, that's just what happened in the past. Anything could happen, but he would have gotten like five or six more home runs just to center field alone. Uh, so maybe say three more yeah, because half of those are on the road or whatever he could get some more power to center field because of L.A. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. I still think Bellinger better than him. I think Betts and Soto are very close for me. Because so I think the crazy thing, I know, hey, we haven't heard it since October, but Soto's only 21 years old, guys. Um, I, I think it's really interesting to see where he keeps making that next step. The difference between the two is Betts will run a little more than Soto. Other than that, they're really close in all aspects. Betts probably more runs scored, too, than Soto but the rest of it's really, really close. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if they're all neck and neck outside the steals by like 5 to 10 at the most, which is big, especially early in the draft. So i got a Bellinger, Betts, Soto. But like Sammy talked about on the previous episode, when Soto fell to him at, what, pick 9, he couldn't pass it up because the pitchers he wanted were gone. And uh, Soto's falling. Like I say, he's down to pick 11 right now because, as as we'll see, like you've talked about before, the more these online drafts on NFC take place, Pitching becomes more of a priority. So guys like Soto are going to fall to the back end of the first round and somebody's going to find a a happy present back there. So Bellinger, Betts, Soto
2: for me, we're on the same page there. Definitely. Yeah, and one one thing on Soto is obviously the OBP league. Like in OBP leagues, he definitely has increased value. And one thing I'll mention that I saw in looking at his rolling average graphs is that the power definitely had an uptick in the second half of this past year. Uh, of 2019, if you look at his rolling average graph from a hard hit perspective on fan graphs, he was up to like 56%, uh, towards the end of the year, just climbing, climbing, climbing. And similarly, when you look at his expected WOBA, um, towards the back end of last year, he kind of had his best, um, his best, uh, his best little spell. And so that may be, you know, we may see even a, a little bit more of an uptick in power for Soto, which, you know, the guy is just incredible. So.
1: Yep, he's, he's darn good. I can't wait to see what the next step is for him. No Rendon, which will make things interesting, but it'll be quite quite good to see what Soto can do there. We'll wrap out the top 10 now at number seven. We have Bryce Harper at pick 23. So like I said, Soto goes at 11. We drop down to pick 23, but then 23 is Harper. About 26, 27 is J.D. Martinez. 29 is Aaron Judge. 30 is Starling Marte. So by the end of round two, roughly 10 outfielders off the board. Some similarities in these four guys and definitely some differences as well, which makes kind of picking it interesting. I know you and I are kind of Starling Marte fans for his power, speed, abilities. There's a guy at number 11, which might be a better comparison for Marte Meadows. That could be like a good one-two comparison. But let's do uh, Harper and Marte. Actually, let's do it this way if it doesn't throw you off. Let's save and do Marte Meadows together. Harper, Martinez,
2: Judge. How do you evaluate those Oh, closely? man, that throws me off, Bubba. I was on a roll. <laughs> I actually have Marte as the best in that group. Uh, now, I, I have a feeling happening. you would. Yeah, But um, for those three, I mean, I think the thing with Harper that's super interesting to me is I've been off of Harper in previous years just because of the lack of consistency in his stolen bases, but he's now in three of the last four, you know, and again, like it's stolen bases, so it's volatile, but 21 4 13 15. So it seems like now like that 2017 is a little bit of the outlier, right? And so he's got a 12 stolen base projection, which I think helps him out a ton. Um, and for me is the separator over a guy like Judge. Um, because with Judge, like you're not going to get the batting average, Harper you're not going to get the batting average. I think the counting stats will be fairly similar and I think Harper at this point has shown, you know, we don't we don't like to talk, think about injury prone, but Harper has been really you know, well over 6 plate appearances in four of the last five seasons. You can't say the same um, for Judge. And just physically, Judge is just such a big guy. Like, you know, um, you just wonder whether it's a little bit harder for him to hold up in the wear and tear. So there's a little bit of that health factor weighing in. But mostly, I think, for Harper, what, what differentiates him from Judge, for me, is the speed, 12 stolen bases versus five for Judge again, similar counting stats, similar home run, uh, potential. Um, for JD Martinez, I have him at the top of that. Um, that, uh, uh, should I use the word tri- triumvirate? Is that a thing? Triumvirate? Triumvirate,
1: trio, threesome, uh, whichever you
2: prefer. I was going to go with threesome, but this is a, this is a PG. A podcast. family podcast. <laughs> friendly podcast. And I didn't want to put that image in, in people's heads about this. <laughs> but, um, uh, so I would have JD Martinez ahead. Um, so I'd have him at three Oh, you know, the three Oh four, the batting average is just such a, like 40 points higher essentially than judge and Harper, uh, for his projection, he's been consistently great. You know, he'll be there with counting stats. So really it's a question of what's, what is more important. Those 12 stolen bases that Harper has versus those two that Martinez have an average carries the day. For me, I have Martinez as a $26 player, Harper 24 and Judge 21. Um, so pretty, uh, pretty solid in terms of like the or the pecking order for me, um, among them. Interestingly enough, like in my draft, um, this past, uh, uh, this past, this draft that I'm in right now that I was mentioning before, Judge went with the 11th pick in the third round. Oh, him, man, falling, free falling. Yeah, I mean, it's just one draft, so and I don't think it's like a consistent pattern we see with him, but I, I found that kind of interesting. So, again, Harper, or I mean Martinez, Harper, and Judge would be would be how I'd rank those three.
1: Yep, that's how I'd rank them as well, Martinez, Harper, Judge. Uh, Martinez is a guy that I was huge on last year. And the weird thing is is he disappointed because he was getting picked like sixth overall, but he still had a great season, like a really good season. Just somehow with the happy fun ball, he couldn't hit it like a, a happy fun ball. His average was still good and everything, but he just wasn't going deep. I think that'll change this year. I got, I got no problem going back to him. And now, for me, he's coming at a value for you almost at the end of the second round. So I'm a big J.D. Martinez fan. Uh, Bryce Harper, a guy that I think has a much better year than last year. He was getting clowned on a lot last year. He He's an emotional player going to a new a new place. He You can see him kind of pressing at times. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, we see Bryce come back with a very, very big season, kind of reminiscent of seven, 2017, uh, something in that ballpark, 30-plus homers, 100-100, gets you close to a 300 average, and so there's 260 stuff. I think he's in for a big year, especially if you know you and I think Reese Hoskins is better, Real Muto, that supporting cast around him in Philadelphia, Bryce should be in for a pretty, pretty good setup there. So I'm a big fan of that. And then Judge, I don't mind him, but for me it's like, I, I hate the injury-prone thing, but he's a big dude that's showing a lot of injuries. And for me, if I want his type of player profile, I'll just wait for his teammate, like twenty-something picks later in Giancarlo Stanton. I'll, I'll go for something along those lines and take a very, to me, a very similar. I know Judge has shown good batting average and whatnot, but I am a little concerned with those injuries last year. They seem kind of not great for a uh, future success. It kind of worries me, but maybe I'm overthinking it. I did that with Giancarlo forever. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. So there's just certain guys I cross off my list and I move on. Judge is one of those. All right. I know I threw you a curveball and Starling Marte you had over these three, which interesting, interesting. I'm not going to say it's wrong. Interesting. Marte and Meadows. I know Meadows is the guy you like. He's kind of a guy you like when Marte has gone. How do you look at those two? How do you like, do you still have it? Marte Meadows, but like, what's the differentiating factor?
2: Yeah, I mean, I definitely have it still. Marte, I think I would take Marte ahead of that whole group that I have right there. I have him as a $25 player based on his projection. I think it's a good example of like, even though I have um, JD Martinez at $26 and I have Marte at $25. So theoretically, JD is, you know, a better quote unquote value, like if they're going around the same place you know, Marte has the speed. And I think that's a major difference for me, particularly given that he has a good batting average. So I think with Marte, the difference between him and Meadows really is the speed. I mean, 10 stolen bases or so. Um, Obviously, Meadows is going to hit more home runs. Um, I think that Marte is, um, you know, from a batting average perspective is is really solid as well, and so it's really just the the overall package of Marte, a little bit of head of Meadows. Although one thing I you know I want to say about Meadows is like I absolutely love Austin Meadows. Like when you look at him towards the end of last season, and I'm trying to do I'm trying to I've got a tweet that I put out that has um, his rolling average graphs towards the end of the season. There it is. There it is from October. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, it is like exactly what you want to see. I mean, we're talking about a young hitter who hasn't, you know, seen, like, who's, you know, who's probably got, what does he have? He's got like 600 plate appearances in his whole career. And towards the end of last season, he put together a run, 782 career plate appearances in the majors. He put together a run where his in-zone contact rate was 93.3%. That's like Jose Ramirez style. His contact rate was 82.8%. This is a 40-game rolling average. So we're talking about like 160-plus plate appearances. This is like a quarter of a season, more than a quarter. Yeah, more than a quarter of a season. 82.8% contact rate. Again, like Jose Ramirez-like. on For his rolling average graphs over the last 40 games, so over a quarter of the season for him, Uh, His O-swing, so his plate discipline was rock solid, 27.2%, but his contact rate was incredible, 93.3% in-zone contact rate, 82.8% overall contact rate. That's like Jose Ramirez-style plate discipline or contact skills right there. And he coupled that with a 47.2% hard hit rate, a ground ball rate at 35.4%. So every single thing that you want to see, like we talk about the – I talk about the four uh, four uh, legs of the stool. He's got all of it like in spades. And then you look at his stat cast metrics and his barrels per plate appearance, his ba- barrels per plate appearance, not per batted ball was at 10.2%, which is a top 10, I think in the second, uh, um, over that period of time, expected WOBA at 390. And this guy could get better, right? And he steals bases. So I think he's kind of the ceiling play because of, just everything he's got. And I don't mind taking him early in the third round Uh, because of that potential. The rays are going to be really good. I think he's going to play every single day. Um, But I think for Marte, just the stolen bases um, carry the day for me because I can make up the home runs. I can make up the counting stats. And I think the batting average is going to be fairly similar between the two of them. And so I do lean Marte in that particular scenario. But um, both of them, I think, are really high quality players. Who, um, you know, at least with Meadows, I think, could take a take a the next step into that upper echelon. You know, even back end of the first round type guy. When all is said and done this year,
1: yeah, Marte for me as well. I uh, got him in the barf draft. I'm a big fan of his 2020 type potential, like we've talked about a few times with him. And, and going to Arizona, a better lineup, he should have a chance to score even more runs there. Uh, Getting some games and coors never stinks. So, you know, two years ago, 33 steals, he at least 21 or more steals in three straight years, back to back 20 plus steal seasons, hit 275 or better for three straight years. He's doing everything you're looking for at, at that point in the draft. If you, if you took a pitcher early, or you are one that's concerned with steals, like we've talked about, not everybody is. Uh, I like to get some steals early. I know you like to try to get some uh, round between like rounds three and six, three and seven. So Marte helps with that a ton. That's why you like him a lot. That's why I like to go to him, especially if, you know, in the first round if you went pitcher or you took a bat, like say you took a a J.D. Martinez or some, you know, or say draft and you took uh, Trout and you're worried about a stolen bases. If you can match him up with Starling Marte, well, you got two stud outfielders in a five outfielder league. That covers all the categories. And now Marte's helping you in steals. So you'll have maybe Trout's 10 to 15 And now you're sitting there like 40 to 45, maybe 50 on bases, sitting real pretty real quick. So definitely a way to do it. I like the Meadows call. I think there's a lot to like. Doesn't run a ton. But what he did last year was was outstanding. You mentioned his hard hit rates, his barrel rates, all those things. And he was banged up at times last year too. So he wasn't fully healthy. Still put together a great season. He's kind of like Starling Marte light. That's why I wanted him to to put them together. Because if he ever started running consistently, he's good to go. And the good thing, at least for now on paper with Austin Meadows, he looks like the only sure thing in Tampa Bay to start regularly. Everything else is a mess. A- absolute mess. But we should get some consistent uh, Austin Meadows time. So, yeah, Marte Meadows for me. Meadows going to pick 38 in drafts right now. So you get a mid- to end third round, which is pretty darn nice. All right, 12 through 15. You got George Springer going pick 46. Uh, so starting out, you're round four. Cattell Marte at 48, Eloy Jimenez at 53, and Witt Merrifield going about 53 as well. With back and forth, we talked about Marte, we talked about Merrifield before. Their dual position eligibility is very, very intriguing. Uh, before the show started, Toby and I were talking about in the draft season now how some of these uh, Astro guys are falling. Springer down to pick 46 uh, in the last couple. Pick picture there. But how do you look at this four pack right here of uh, Springer, Marte, Jimenez, and Merrifield?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, um, the question is really, I mean, it's an interesting little pairing right here. So I have uh, Springer just from a value perspective, based on their ATC projections, as a twenty-two dollar player, which is better than Kedhel, Marte, uh, and Ela uh, at eighteen dollars, Eloy Jimenez at seventeen dollars, and Merrifield at seven dollars, seventeen dollars as well. Um, the challenge is, I think that I think for Springer, um, I don't know. I feel like last year was kind of the peak of what we're going to see with Springer. And, and the projections are definitely, um, calling for a dip in the batting average, you know, down to 276 from his 292 last year. But I just think it was kind of a best case, um, scenario from him, even though he only had about 560 plate appearances. Um, so he's all around solid, but, um, you know, I, I just what I'm targeting in this area, I think there's enough guys who give you that we'll talk about in a little bit They give you a little bit of more stolen bases, maybe not as much power, but pretty solid power and a decent batting average as well. And so I would, I would tend to focus more on those guys. And then when I think, and I think with uh, Marte and, and Jimenez, um, Marte, I think the projections are underselling the power gains a little bit just because the ground ball rate did, did dip so much. And he does put so many balls in play and he has the ability to hit the ball really, really hard, as we discussed in the second base and and out uh, the second base preview uh, when we talked about him. And so uh, I think that Marte is actually a little bit above his projection. Um, And then I think with Jimenez, Jimenez is super interesting to me. He's a guy where I have no doubt he's going to absolutely explode this year. Uh, I just think that the question uh, for about, um, Eloy is just like he doesn't have the speed, and the batting average is maybe a little bit more um of a question as well. But like towards the end of the season, he was just absolutely destroying things. I mean, he just he was crushing the ball. His expected WOBA over his last uh hundred uh plate appearances uh was four fifty-seven and it just cause like going up, up, up. Uh, When you take a look at his expected batting average over the same period of time, it was 3.36. So just absolutely destroying it. And again, a young guy with pedigree who seemed to figure it out. Now he doesn't have the traditional profile in the sense that like the plate disciplines a little out of the whack. He doesn't make a ton of as much contact as you'd like, but damn, he hits the ball super hard. And so he's just one of these guys where I only got him when he really he fell really far. Um, I think I got him at seventy four, and his ADP is what did you say it was like fifty fifty uh, something right, 50, now. 53 right now fifty
1: fifty three right now it's yeah. fifty
2: three. I got him at seventy four in one of my DCs, and I and I picked him up. But he's just a guy where it's like you kind of you like just feel it in your bones that he's going to absolutely destroy, and I want to take him, but because of the lack of speed at that particular spot. And then some of the guys you got later, right? You got Nelly Cruz going later. You got Josh Donaldson going later. You got a lot of guys who have a longer history of crushing. And so I really like him a lot. I think he's going to outpace that projection probably from a batting average perspective um, and accounting stat perspective in that lineup. But um, I just haven't been taking him as much, but, but uh, you know, rock on to the people who have been. Um, for sure, and the Merrifield is, I think, pretty clearly at the end of this tier for me. I'm just kind of off a wit. Um, again, like the batting average is solid, but the power is a little weak. The RBIs are a little weak. He's getting older. We don't know whether that speed is going to return or not. And so, just a few too many questions for me when I could just like, you know, maybe wait. I don't know, like four rounds and get like an Oscar Mercado or something like that that has a pretty similar profile. Um so I'm I I'm not taking wit where he's going, maybe. Um, but I I really like the the grouping as a whole. I think there's there's a little bit for everybody just in terms of you know, batting average, power, runs, RBI. It's it's a nice little little group right there. It's
1: it's a nice little group for sure because it, it's kind of a what do you need, or you can pass it and for the most part be like, okay, I'll I'll find something else later on. It's it's a weird deal. Like I think Marte and especially Merrifield in this group, they're here more for their second base ADP than anything. This happened at outfit eligibility, and just goes back to how shallow second base is. Marte's a beast; like well, he hits the ball hard. But I kind of want to see it again. I think Springer, if he keeps falling, this becomes more and more interesting because I think he's got that upside where he could really take the roof off something, um, and, and hopefully not not a trash can, just hopefully the stadium. But um, I don't mind Springer there. The Eloy conversation, I like a lot. The dude, like you said, hits the snot out of the baseball. He got comfortable as the season went on, started just torching everything. And I think I'm with you. I think his, he's going to break his, his his projections. He's going to have a massive season. And it's one of those things I kind of mentioned with Aaron Judge earlier. Like I mentioned, I'd rather have, you know, wait on Stanton. Why don't you just wait on Eloy Jimenez? Like I honestly think there's a very similar stat profile between Jimenez and Aaron Judge. I might be totally off there, but I think there's a lot of similar power. Uh, maybe Judge has a better average, but I think Eloy, like we saw as he started getting comfortable at the end of the year, he's a better average hitter than I think people give him credit for. Neither one of them are really stealing bases. I guess it comes down to who drives in the runs and whatnot. And both teams are loaded, so it's really hard to pinpoint exactly who's going to be the run producer there. I think there's a lot of similarities between him and Ez and Judge, and I'd rather have Eloy
2: than Aaron Judge. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I can judge him in his debate. Whew, that is an interesting one. Um, I actually don't mind that. I think I would probably. I'm not. I'm not big on Aaron Judge in in batting average leagues. Um, so I could actually definitely get behind that because I think Eloy could have um, a much better batting average um, yep. than than Judge for sure. So that's a. I like that hot take. That might be a really nice. Um, uh, that might be a really nice little like bold prediction there.
1: Yeah. Uh, I might have to, write, I might have to write that it. down. For... Write it,
2: jot it down. Yeah. Let's
1: say Eloy greater than with like three carrots. judge. Yeah. Okay. Got All it. Right. On check, the show notes.
2: check this out. So uh, among um, in the second half of the season, Oh, I should do a min plate appearance on this search that I'm doing right during doing right here. Let's do a minimum of just like a hundred. This is where I'm so
1: jealous of Toby's brain. He can search this stuff so quick, and I'm still just staring at ADP and trying to figure things out.
2: Okay, ready. So this is a minimum of guys who had at least ten barrels. Here are the guys. This these this is the top five by percent of pitches. And again, like it's not per plate appearance because that takes. I have to do some math and and look at a couple different pages. But Eloy is fifth. He had twenty seven barrels on nine hundred and eleven pitches. Again, this is pitches, so it's not per plate appearance. But Nelson Cruz, Kyle Lewis, he only had 10. Uh, CJ Crone, twenty, Nicholas Castellanos, thirty-two, Eloy Jimenez, twenty seven. So really it's like Nelson Cruz, CJ Crone, Castellanos, Jimenez, Soler, Sano. So all of the major power hitters, like Jimenez is right there. And yeah, he, he's, he's got forty he's
1: got forty Homer there. upside.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, for sure. Like that's the thing that's kind of killing me is like there's a lot of guys that I just like. I really I love them. Like I think they're so good, but it's like the ways that I'm building my teams, I'm just not so sure that I can go after them. But maybe I need to. Maybe I need to get a little bit more creative. Maybe I'm a little too rigid. I think I could be.
1: No, I think I think what it is, and you said it in that in that little deal there. It's the way you draft, and there's nothing wrong with the way you draft. You've been very successful with the way you draft. It's just for those that maybe don't go pocket aces where you have to kind of be more like when like you've talked about before, when you go your pocket aces, you're trying to get more balance. Like you don't like with Eloy, you're not getting stolen bases and he's going to be like your second or third bat and you kind of still want that balance coming out. Like you want to be hitting categories, which is what you said. Now, if there's other people that maybe take one pitcher early and wait or just wait on pitching, then Eloy might fall into your bill a little more. So, it's like you said, you really, really like him. He's very, very good. It's nothing against him. It's just not how you build your teams. So, I think it's a very important thing. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's not your style. Thank you, Baba. No, that's fine. You Don't beat yourself up over that. It's all good. Um, Let's talk about the next four outfielders on here. 16 to 20. Charlie Blackman. It wasn't long ago where Charlie Blackman was a perennial first-round player. Now he's going to pick 53. Uh, Chris Bryant, your favorite, is going to pick 58. There's Giancarlo, about pick 60. And then Victor Robles at 61. And Louis, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always say Roberts is that's what it should be, but Luis Robert at pick 71. So a very interesting career. L- Robert is just creeping up the list. Now he's ahead of Fam, Laureano and company. That didn't take long at all.
2: So how do you look at this five-pack? Well, this five-pack, um, is it's an interesting five-pack. Uh, I would call it, uh, well, I don't know if I can call it the overrated five-pack, but um, <laughs> I'll call it the overrated five-pack, the overrated three-pack uh, with Victor Robles at the top and Charlie Blackman afterwards. Um, I, I have Victor Robles uh, at his ATC projection at $21 value I have Charlie Blackman at 19. I have Chris Bryan at 19. I have Stanton at 16. And I got I have Robert at $14. So what I'll say is this of all of them, I like Victor Robles the most. I know Victor Robles has been like people are freaking out about his hard hit stat cast metrics. And I totally understand. Like, you know, he did not he did not hit the ball great. A lot of the underlying metrics are not absolutely terrific when it comes to Robus. But I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Robus is a prospect with pedigree. Um, And so the question is, do you think he's going to improve, right? Did he earn what he did last year? You could say, I think his expected batting average was a little lower than the 255 that he had last year. Um, But he's also super fast. And so he's probably going to leg out a lot more hits in doing that. So the question is, is he going to improve from this year to next year as a 22-year-old guy with pedigree adjusting to pitching? I think he is. I think he's going to get better. Last year, he hit 255 with 17 home runs, 28 stolen bases, 86 runs, 65 RBIs. Give me, give me that all day where he's going, right? He's going around pick 60. I would pick him all the way up to the early 50s if the right combination of players is off the board. Because if he repeats that, then I'm totally fine with that at pick 50. But like I've mentioned this before, his max exit velo is super high. His max exit velo is 114, I want to say, something like that.
1: 110.5.
2: Is his max exit velo?
1: That's that's what it says right here for 2019,
2: 110.5. Really? Yeah. Well, that's still harder than, you're right. What happened? I thought he had like a 114 in there. God, my brain is not working. Anyways, 110.5 is very high for a guy who's that fast. Let's qualify that. So he does hit the ball pretty hard. And I think, ah, you know, like I do all these searches on StatCast and then I like think I remember them. So I won't say something, but like <laughs> he he actually hits quite a few balls above 100 miles per hour. So it's not that he lacks the ability. He's just not as good at barreling the ball. And I do think that that's something that will improve over time. But the most important thing that I would just take away is that last year, he, if he repeats what he did last year, then I'm totally content with where I'm getting him. But I definitely think there's a ton of upside. And then if Turner moves to three and Robles moves into the leadoff spot, you're talking about potentially another you know, 50 to 100 plate appearances Now that could be absolute uh, gold. Um, And so I think he's got a really solid, you know, profile. Um, I'm not concerned about the stat cast metrics. I don't think we need to judge every single player with stat cast. Like, I think he can get a 250 batting average. I think he can hit 15 home runs. I think he can steal 30 bases. And that's enough for me drafting at this spot. Um, the other guy is Charlie Blackman. He's all around solid. He's going to be totally fine. I got no problem with him. The stolen bases have dried up. That's a little bit of a concern, but definitely draft him over Chris Bryant. You know, the batting average is going to be better for Blackman. Bryant's fine. I think Stanton is fine, but again, like his, what made him so great, um, has, is not as valuable as it has been in previous seasons. And then I think just with his track record of injury, the body, he's getting older. I just don't feel as comfortable getting him, and so I'm fine to like, let somebody else take him and take Josh Donaldson 30 picks later or whatever, 20 picks later. Um, and then with Lewis Robert, just draft Tommy Pham, people. Yeah. Just draft Tommy Pham. Yep. He's, he's projected to have a better batting average, uh, same amount of home runs, more stolen bases, more runs. He's an OBP machine. Like, granted, Robert could Robert could be really good. And I don't think his strikeout issues are going to be as much because I think he's going to kind of fall into like Javi Baez, Avisail Garcia, like 25% realm just because he's so aggressive. He's going to swing at everything. So even when he swings and misses, it's probably the first and second pitches of the count, and then he'll make, make contact by the third. But um, so if I were to rank them, I would say Robles at the top, Blackman, uh, probably Stanton for upside, Bryant, and then Ro- Robert at the very
1: end. Yeah, the thing with Lou Bob is everyone wants the shiny new toy, but I'd rather have Fam or Ramon Moriano over over him. So, with you 100 percent there, I think he's gonna be fun. I, I, I'm looking forward to watching him on you know MLB tonight. But I'm not a fan of of taking these kind of guys with really no track record that I've outside of some really hot minor league runs. Uh, Victor Robles, this this funny. This range Robles and Blackman. It's kind of like the poor man's reigns. It's like, okay, Blackman's your poor man's medals. Like he does things but just doesn't steal as much. Um, and Robles is your poor man's Marte because he just doesn't have quite the average maybe and maybe a little bit less power than Marte, but he could get you twenty twenty also you know, later in the draft. So it's an interesting, it, you know, the one thing you said with um, Robles, and I, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but I know what you're talking about. I've seen people talk about When you look at his, his StatCast page in general, He's very good at hitting the big pitchers when he needs to, and he hits them very hard, like you said. He has a lot of over 100-mile-an-hour exit velos. When he pulls the ball, he doesn't pull it often. Or no, he does. Almost 42% pull rate, 34% center field, 24% oppo. But 42 on the ground, 21 in the air. But his meatball's up to 8.5, and, a half and he, his meatball swings 81. So when he attacks... He attacks it with vengeance type idea. And that's one of the things I've seen people graph it out and show all the data. When he really goes for it, he goes for it. And, and, and he takes advantage of it. It's just when it's not a great pitch, he kind of puts weak contact on it. It's, it's one of those deals. And it kind of messes up his, his overall numbers. Like he tops the ball a lot, a lot of weak contact, stuff like that. But uh, when he gets into it, he's, he's got 20-plus homer upside with that 25-30 steal upside which is very, very elite. So I, I like Victor Robles quite a bit. I was all over him last year. Haven't stumbled upon him yet, but where he's getting drafted, I might hear sooner than later. I'm with you. Victor Robles for me. I got Stanton too, just because I, I keep waiting for Blackman to fall apart. But in reality, Blackman's probably better than Stanton. Just more of a personal preference. And then as much as I don't like Bryant, I'd probably even go Lubal over Bryant, but I still have Fan and Loreano over them. So Robles and Blackman and Stanton are the only three you need to really know about in this range for me. All right, the next five we just talked about. Tommy Pham going to pick 75. Ramon Laureano at pick 70, about 80. Joey Gallo at 87. Jorge Soler at 94. And Jeff McNeil at 97. Interesting range here. The top two guys going uh, pick 75 to 80. The rest of them towards 87 to
2: 97. How do you look at these five? Yeah, this is a really nice group generally speaking there's four guys that I I, I like generally um, so for me I have fam as the at the top but I would just say I have him and Loriano tied I mean fam's projection is twenty dollars Loriano's is 16. I think fam's is, is pretty solid right on like he's been actually very consistent and pretty healthy over the last few years um, but 22 home runs 23 stolen bases is, is really nice for fam I think you might see an uptick in stolen bases moving to the Padres, moving to the NL, um, you know, and, and he's, a, he's a good stolen base guy. So I really like Fam there. Laureano's projection is interesting. It has his batting average at 269, despite two consecutive years of hitting in the 280s. Uh, 23 home runs, 16 stolen bases. I think the question for Laureano is, is what we saw, um, you know, is what we saw in the middle of last year, that middle of the season surge, before he got injured, is that like the real Loriano that we're going to continue to see? Or was that just a little bit of a hot run? I mean, obviously he's not going to, he's not going to maintain that like consistently moving forward, but it just shows you like, I think, I think Fam is a little capped out at his projection. I don't think there's a ton more power that he's going to hit. He's always been a high ground ball guy. I don't necessarily see that happening. Loriano was able to lower yeah, hit a lot more ground balls last year. I think it was down like 8% or something like that. So putting a lot more of the ball in the air, you know, the stolen bases probably are not going to be as high, but I think the upside is much greater than Loriano. So if I were to put them back to back, I might lean Loriano at this point in time, you know, obviously different in an OBP league, but I just think Laureano, given the, the lineup he's in, given some of the stuff that he showed last year, I think he's kind of a little bit above that for me. Jeff McNeil at his projection is a fourteen dollar value. He's actually at the bottom of the group from a valuation standpoint, but that's with a two ninety six batting average. He's obviously hit over three hundred for two consecutive years. He has, I think, close to a thousand plate appearances. Um, let me just double check. He's got eight hundred fifteen plate appearances at a three twenty one batting average. He's just an elite, you know, kind of elite. Uh, great launch angle guy, like not for a home run perspective, but just like for getting base hits makes a ton of contact. He's super aggressive. So he puts a ton of balls in place. So I think the batting average is a little low for him. And I also think, you know, he hit 23 home runs last year in 567 plate appearances. I don't mind the the 20 home run projection, um, but there, I think there is a little bit of more, more pop in there. And obviously the stolen bases are, are a little limited, but um, seven is going to be pretty solid there. So I really like him. With the boost in batting average, the multi position eligibility is the third guy in this group uh, right here. After that, I like Jorge Soler. I think he's got pretty similar power to Gallo, um, uh, but without, with a little, with a lot more um, comfort for me in the batting average department. Soler is actually a guy that when you look at his rolling average graphs, it's absolutely you know, phenomenal what he was able to do. I mean, just as a hitter, like you just got to appreciate when guys make changes that are so um, dramatic, but, you know, he reduced his O swing, like in the second half of the season, it was very low. So he was being very selective. You look at his ground ball rate from the start of the season, the 40 games leading up to it, it was 50% just trending down the whole time down to the low 30%, 34.3% over his last 40 games. His hard hit rate surged to where it was over 50% for the vast majority of the second half. And then his contact rate was super stable and not as bad as you would expect from a big power hitter, about 80% in the zone. Uh, So maybe 5% worse than league average. But with the solid plate discipline, the increase in the ground ball rate, so hitting the ball in the air more, hitting the ball hard, the barrels were off the charts. I think he's really, really uh, good. And again, it's just a situation where the average is capped a little bit and I think he's um, you know he's not going to provide batting average or stolen bases, So he gets a little bit of a ding for those reasons. Um, but I, I really love the profile. And then I think Joey Gallo, I think it's a little like he's a $15 valuation, but that's with a 235 batting average. and 212, you know is his career average. I would tend to think that's more likely than the 250 he hit last year. I'm not necessarily sure that that's sustainable with you know his approach at the plate you know, both the really high fly ball rate and, and the swing and miss that he has. And then what he provides isn't as, as important or as uh, critical to what, you, what it used to be, right? 40 home runs is not uh, the same as it was even two years ago, right? And so I think he loses a little bit of value there. And then I think, um, um, yeah, so I think it's just not a profile that I love. And if you're in an overall competition, that's what I was gonna say. If you're in an overall competition, he's just, you he can't go there. You just can't go there with Gallo because of the batting average. Like, wait, you know, wait 30 picks and pick Miguel Sano because I think you're, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Miguel Sano out him considerably this year.
1: No, that's a great call. I'm a big fan of that Sano over uh, Gallo, as I'm a big Sano fan. So I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. I never owned Joey Gallo. It's not, nothing against Joey, just that batting average. It's like Adam Dunn esque or just crushes your team, it absolutely destroys it. Um, except last year. everyone's gonna point to last year, but I'll believe it. I, I need to see a full season of that, to say the least. Uh Tommy Fam and Loriano leading off this little grouping. I, I just I-, I love these two. Uh both got twenty twenty upside. I think L'Oreal might have the bigger power ceiling where fam's just more consistent across the board. So just depends on where you want to go with it. Uh you helped me out in barf draft. You took fam, so I took Loriano next, made my decision really easy. Uh I think they're both very good. I think Loriano's just a younger Potentially higher ceiling fam, but if you just want consistency and just great overall production on a pretty good improved Padres lineup, Tommy fam's your guy, as you were saying. So I like them both quite a bit. Um, Jeff McNeil, my only question with him is once he got hurt last year, he stopped running because he had multiple hamstring injuries. And all of a sudden, after like the second IL stint, he started hitting for power like crazy. But when he hit for power... His average was like 270-ish over that stretch, which is much lower than normal. So I'm really curious to see what he looks like in camp. Is he Willie, May, Willie Mays Hayes in Major League uh, One, where he runs like crazy, and he, he's got speed to hit for average? Or is he Major League Two, where he shows up just wanting to drop bombs everywhere? I'm really curious. I'm, I'm guessing the average side, because the oh, contact rate is so elite. But uh, you never know. You get a taste of the long ball. Chicks did the long ball. So – Jeff McNeil might have had a heck of a summer or a winter. You never know. I am curious to see that one with him. But overall, great contact skills like you mentioned. And then I got Soler over Gallo as well. The batting average is, is huge. I think Soler, Sano, those type of players, much more over Gallo. I, I'm a big fan of that. If you want a Gallo-type guy, gamble on Giancarlo before that if you'd rather. But I, I'd rather have Soler. Uh, and I, I'd almost rather have Soler than Giancarlo as well. So I, I'm with you in in that uh, conversation over Dallow and I love the Sano comp there because one big Sano fan Two, I think you're dead on about that is his his upside is very very large all right let's go 26 to 30 as we make our way through the outfield here oh I'm gonna just put my mic on mute and go take a walk around the blocks I have a feeling you need some alone time on this one (laughs) um Eddie Rosario pick 100 Nick Castellanos, who I love, at pick 104. Marcelo Zuno, pick 104. It's amazing. Those two got signed, and they're rising. Uh, Trey Mancini, Trey Boo Boo at 113. And then Ben and Dendi, a very polarizing individual, at pick 114. These guys are all going within, like, one round of each other, give or take. Good set of outfielders here. How do you like these five?
2: Yeah, so I would say – you know, I, I hope I hope the the Fire Eagle himself, uh, Eddie Rosario, is going to forgive me. But you know, I've got him as an eighteen dollar valuation at his ATC projection. I have Ozuna as eighteen dollars as well. Castellanos, fifteen. Benintendi fifteen. Uh, Mancini thirteen. Um, again, I love Eddie. The, I, I love Eddie the Eagle, the Fire Eagle. Um, he is uh, a. a even though he spurned me when I went to, to, to watch him, uh, in Minnesota last year, when he was injured, uh, the whole series that I went to and then would not respond to me via Twitter, including the twins account, which I don't blame <laughs> them because I'm just like an avatar. I'm not even a real human being. Um, but, uh, for that reason, and that reason only, no, I like Ozuna better. Um, you know, uh, I just think that Ozuna is in a better, you know, Rosario is obviously in a great spot. I just trust uh, Ozuna has much more consistent plate skills than Rosario does. The chase rate um, is very high with Rosario. He has not been able to put together a, a full season of consistency. That doesn't mean he's been, he hasn't been really good. He's been really good the last two years and a great source of profit, but I just think at where they're going right now, I would I would have Ozuna a little higher because I trust the speed of Ozuna a little bit more. Rosario with the Twins, um, he's never really been able to take advantage of the speed that he's had. And with the Twins just kind of putting the brakes on everybody except for Buxton Buxton on a stolen base front, I just think Ozuna's more likely to steal some bases. And then I think he's going to drive in just a crap ton of runs um, behind uh, Acuna, Albies, and Donaldson. So I really like – I like Uzunia I like Rosario. I think they're both going to be nice sources of profit uh, this year. I think Castellanos is nice. Um, I think he's a perfect fit for the Reds. Um, so I also think he's good. These guys are all solid. You know, Trey Boo Boo, we've talked about him in the first base preview, how about how, he, how he lowered his ground ball rate a little bit, and there's still some room to do that. Um, but just uh, hard hit rate, it's solid. Like, he's just a solid all-around player. And then, even Benintendi, he's going so deep. Um, you know, I think he's primed for a little bit of a bounce back. Uh, and it wouldn't take that much, right? If he goes 20, 15, like the 17 and 14 is a $15 projection, you could easily see him going like hitting 280, 290, bumping that projection up. You could see him hitting 20 home runs, stealing 15 bases. And then you're talking about a close to $20 guy. And then I think he's also more likely to be at the top end of that lineup with Mookie moving out. So all in all, I think um, it's a really solid five group. I think all of them will probably bring some value back. I might have Mancini at the end. Sorry, Trey Boo Boo, only because of the context and the team that he has around him. That would be the only reason why I downgrade him slightly. But again, I think all five of these guys are pretty solid at where they're going.
1: Yeah, Rosario, Castellanos, and Ozuna I really like as a good threesome there. Like, for me, I like Castellanos, Ozuna, Rosario, but it's really grasping at straws. Ozuna might run a little more. I think Castellanos in that ballpark, I don't think projections are doing it justice to what could take place in Cincinnati. I know projections are usually a little more cautious, and that makes sense for what's going on there. But, man, I – everything you see about that. You mentioned when we were talking about Eli Jimenez, there was a name that was above him in um, barrels, Nick Castellanos. Like this dude smokes baseballs and that ballpark's going to be conducive to that. That lineup around brown is going to be conducive for that. I'm a big fan of his. I'm buying into the hype. I, I love Castellanos in this range. Ozuna a- a- as well, a guy that's perennially underperforming his X stats at the end of the year, you wonder, man, you should have been so much better and the stats say he should have been better. He just hasn't been like the last three years. But um, it's only a few years ago when he had that MVP-type season. Uh, the speed's still kind of there off and on. He, and he was injured a little bit last year, so maybe the speed comes back. At worst, I think the overall offensive production of the other four categories comes back in that Atlanta lineup should be tremendous. And Eddie's great. I'm not knocking Eddie, it's just I prefer the other two. In Minnesota, That's a great spot for him. So, like you said, very, very similar players. I prefer I like Cassians a lot. He's one of my my favorite targets. Somehow do not have him anywhere yet, because I think other people like him a lot. And I, I don't just I'm not reaching too much for him yet, but I'm a big fan there. And then Ben and and Mancini. Uh Mancini, I like a ton. I got no problem taking him. It's the supporting cast scares me in Baltimore. Completely scares me. So that that's a that's a shame there. Ben and I as you were talking, I pulled up roster resource. It's nice to see they haven't projected to hit leadoff now, like you were saying, because when the the trade first happened, Verdugo was leading off, and that would have been very good for Verdugo. Now he's batting seventh, not so much. Benny leading off might be what the doctor ordered. He's a very polarizing, difficult guy to figure out because certain numbers look really good. Certain ones are just like, why isn't he producing? But hitting in front of Devers, Bogarts, and J.D. can be tremendous for him. And because of that alone, it makes me like him more. I was off of him if he was batting towards the bottom of the order, which looked like was going to happen with either Betts there or even when Verdugo came. Now that Benny's kind of alive and well, he's at least on my radar. I still don't know how much I'm circling him yet, but I don't hate it. I think there is 20-plus power in there somewhere. And if he finds that, that could be huge, really, really huge. And, And Boston, that right center field screws him over a lot. So something to keep in mind there. But, all right. Uh, there,
2: yeah. Yes. I have a huge decision facing me right here. Oh, we're I'm, in a, I'm in a DC. Okay. I'm up. My okay. picks so far have been Walker Buehler and Shane Bieber to start. Pocket aces, you don't say. Uh, you know, I, I'll say something to all the Bieber haters out there. Uh, okay. So Buehler and Bieber to start. Meadows at forty. Mm-hmm. Realmuto at fifty-one on brand DJ Lemayhew at 70 i like it so i've got a really nice batting average floor Mm -hmm. i've got uh decent power right each one of my guys is getting me 20 20 20 plus jacks probably mayhew maybe not but pretty solid there um and now i'm making my fourth I'm picking my fourth offensive guy. And let me tell you something. There is a lot of good stuff available. So I've got, here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at Rizzo still on the board at 81. Okay.
1: Consistent, consistent.
2: Consistent batting average, not the elite home runs, but he's going to contribute in everything. Mm -hmm. He's kind of, I'm leaning to, to not go in that direction. I have Nelson Cruz, who's available, who we obviously Ooh, love, now. The boomstick. The boomstick is so hard, but then I fill my util spot, and the one thing that I'm a little down on is speed. So that's the Dang. one thing that I really need to make up. So if I go with him, then I'm going to be fairly hamstrung in terms of chasing speed. I mean, with Real Muto, I got seven stolen bases. Meadow's about 15. That's 22. Let's make it like 27, 28 with LeMahieu. So I still need about like 85 stolen bases to feel pretty good where I'm at. And then the other one is Jeff McNeil. I have Jeff McNeil yeah. who's still on the board. He's got the multi-position eligibility. This would give me an incredibly strong batting average floor without really hurting me in, in – um uh in home runs or just in stolen bases how long till your next pick oh, man. i've got uh i got 19 spots until my next pick oh man um, I'm picking okay. at 100 next it's, who's the it's who's the next
1: one. uh who's uh, the next like stolen base type guy that you like well the thing
2: level? is can i can i say who else i would target right here can i yeah say? By you know, the time dude, this is
1: released, like, by the time
2: this is released, I hope to God you're on your next pick. So at so at a hundred, I mean there's gonna be um Oscar Mercado, who we're gonna talk about in a little bit. Um Is Fam or L'Oreal still available? No, neither of them. They're both gone. Okay. Yasiel's fallen, so I could go with a little Tweak action. Um I got Elvis Andrews and Ed Rosario going a little bit later on that I could go after.
1: Alex Smith, everyone's favorite stolen base guy. I know it's not your style. I'm just saying he's there. Um,
2: I would it's take
1: tough. like, I'm not a Jeff McNeil guy, but the way you build your team, I would take Jeff.
2: McNeil. Okay. I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to go yeah. with it. Jeff McNeil. The that's, way you build, that's an yeah. interesting little combo there. Jeff McNeil and DJ LeMayhew. A lot of
1: similarities.
2: Yeah, very similar players, and I just love that early on because I think the batting average floor is so high on that. I mean, you're talking about like Real Muto right now is easily my worst batting average guy, hitting around 270. And I got LeMahieu and McNeil, who theoretically should hit over 300. Meadows, who is projected for 288. Like that, I think, is a really solid start and gives me some flexibility. The only thing is it does pigeonhole me a little bit. In the stolen base department, so I'm going to have to find some ways to make that up. But that was fun, anyways. Let's go back to the, uh let's go back to the pod. Uh, let's see if I made a horrible mistake when, when all is said and done here.
1: Well, we will find out. But we're going to 31 through 35, and you mentioned we're going to talk about. We're talking about now. Oscar Mercado going to pick 115. He's a very interesting guy to look at. First year, ups and downs, but overall very good. Does he take the next step? You yeah, got Michael Conforto at 130, who I've always been a Conforto fan. Puig, like you mentioned, Falling, pick 132. He's gone as low as pick 182 over the last couple weeks. He doesn't have a home yet, folks, but the talent is good. Michael Brantley picked 132. Malik Smith picked 137. This is a very interesting group to me because this is kind of that group, do I want power, do I want speed, do I want to gamble, a want some value with Puig, uh, consistent Brantley, are all the speed in Smith and not much. else. Like this is an interesting group. How do you like this five?
2: Yeah, I really like this. I really like four of these five. Um, I think you know, you're you going to know who I don't I like. I know but exactly who you, you know, don't like right now. I can guess it already. <laughs> so I have Mark, Mercado as a $13 player, but Mercado is a guy. I put a little parentheses next to him and I put up just because his projection right now is for a 261 batting average, 80 runs, 15 home runs, 21 stolen bases, 61 RBI. But if you look at, uh, at Mercado towards the end of last year, he really started to put things together, I think, in a lot of really good ways. Um, I'm going to bring up his rolling average graph here in a second, but his plate discipline improved, his contact rate improved, his ground ball rate decreased, um, and his hard hit rate also increased. So yeah, so if you look at him, he's, he's kind of like what I call, um, I don't even know what I call them, but like, um, I called them something in previous years, but essentially, guys that are headed in the direct, the right direction in all four element or all four legs of the stool. So his his contact rate was up at ninety three percent in the zone, so very very good there. His O swing was down at twenty seven point five percent, so really solid there. Um, his ground ball rate was at thirty five percent, which is really solid there. And then his hard hit rate, I mean, nothing to write home about at thirty nine point two percent. Um, but overall, really, really solid and everything headed in the right direction. Um, I do think, I haven't seen what roster resource has him pegged in as, like where they have him batting, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't towards the top of that lineup. And if he is obviously batting, like he should be lead off, right? They have him batting second. I'm checking, I'm checking right now. So like right in the middle yeah. of Lindor, Mercado, Santana, Ramirez, Reyes. I mean, that's really, really nice spot, I think. Um, for him to be in. And so I really like um, I really like Mercado a lot and then I think you know the speed uh, is definitely elite and I think it, it can be um, uh, it can be just a carrying tool for him. Um, and so I think there's a lot of reasons to like just the overall adjustments that Mercado was able to make. I think the context, um, is really really good, and so I'm I'm big in on him. I think 30 stolen bases is de- is a definite possibility. Um, I think you know, like obviously 20 30 would be really pushing it, but uh, I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility with a much better batting average than his current projection is. And so I see a lot of upside in the projection, um, and so I don't mind taking him around pick pick 100 or so.
1: What about the rest of them?
2: Um, I do. Are there other guys?
1: Did you mention Conforto, Brantley, Puig, kidding. and Smith? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs>
2: Sorry, I got so obsessed with Mercado, I totally forgot. Um, for Conforto reason. for good reason. Conforto, I think, is really solid. Again, he's sixteen dollar player where he's going right now, and I think he's like very, very consistent. Uh, there's uh, what uh, our friend Ariel Cohen would call a hot spot. Um, around where Conforto is going. He's kind of at the front end of it, but there's a grouping that includes like uh, Conforto, Schwarber, uh, Reyes, Kepler, where all of them are like 30 home run, 250 to 260 guys with nice counting stats. And so I might be slightly disinclined to go after him just because I think the profile is available later on um, from Conforto, but I think he's all around solid and obviously a guy who could potentially take the next step. And then I think Michael Brantley is a guy I really love if you need batting average where he's going very, very consistent, not great in anything outside of batting average, but I'm um, really, really like him if I need a little bit of a batting average boost as I'm going through. And then Pu- Puig represents incredible value. I mean, the only concern is it's kind of hard to see um, exactly where, um, you know, he could, um you know where he's going to end up. Like, is he going to end up with the Marlins getting full-time plate appearances? Some people have suggested the Cardinals, which would be really nice. Um, you know, it's just it, it's unclear whether he's going to get you know full-time plate appearances, but he likely will get the vast majority of them, I would guess, just because of the quality of player he is and how much people are going to pay him. But even with that projection, only 569 plate appearances still a $16 projection. 25 home runs, 16 stolen bases. Uh, which is great, and where he's going, he is just absolute money. Um, and so I, I love Puig where he's going right now. The guy that I'm not into is Malik Smith, fourteen dollar guy at 251, 64 runs, five home runs, 40, uh, 40 RBI, and forty one stolen bases. You know, in the overall competitions, he's just a really. It's really tough to stomach that five um, home runs. I think in some other formats, maybe you mix and match, you move him in, move him out based on the matchups that he has. But I think mostly for Smith is he's a one-trick, uh, he's a one-trick pony. He's, like, he's a rabbit. And I think more importantly, he's actually a terrible outfielder as well. And so I think the most likely scenario is that Smith maybe starts out the season in the outfield, and then towards the second half as they start to play the young guys more, um, he's out of the lineup a ton because he's just like, he's not a good baseball player. Uh, speed is his only quality and so I think for that reason it's too too high of a premium to pay for a guy who's going to hurt you in every category except for stolen bases and likely isn't going to have full-time playing time for the season
1: yeah it's the hard thing with Malik Smith is like I I love the speed ability like on the on the wire last year I tried to add him it that's more because of an it's an end season let's let's make this work if you go like after a Nelson Cruz or someone along those lines It can work, but you're still taking some sacrifices elsewhere because he's leaving you empty so many spots. So he's usually a guy that doesn't end up on my teams, kind of like you. It just doesn't happen unless I'm really building kind of an out-of-the-ordinary team for myself. Um, Mercado's very intriguing. You know, 15 homers, 15 stolen bases, and 115 games last year. Maybe, you know, give him 140 games. He might get you 25 and 30. Like, there is some serious upside here. He might be a cheaper Victor Robles. It could be very interesting between those two. So I, I think uh, Mercado and, and Robles is a good comparison to keep an eye on throughout the season. Uh, I like Robles a ton, but Mercado's got a lot of that same upside. You mentioned hitting between Lindor, Ramirez, and company, Santana. He should get pitched to quite a bit. I'm curious to see how much they'll let him run. I don't see why they'd hold him back. But uh, it could be a really nice look there batting second because a lot of last year, if I remember correctly, he was hitting on the bottom of the order at times. So that that would be really nice with him up there. Conforto, I love big 30-plus home run upside, but I like Schwarber more. And that's the guy I'm targeting in a lot of places. Kepler is very similar, like you mentioned. There's a grouping like that. I got no problem if you want to take Conforto. We, we, he's, he's kind of the guy we think he is now. 30 homers, 265-ish average. Going to be pretty productive overall. The Mets should, should be okay offensively, so he's not going to be drowning over there. He, he's a decent option. Puig is awesome. I can't wait to – you know, in reality, he should be going around Ozuna and Castellanos, maybe even mm-hmm. a little higher but you're getting the discount because he's not signed. So enjoy it while you can. Same thing we got with Ozuna and Castellanos recently. Once they signed, we saw them balloon up, and they're, they're still moving up. Every time I update a different date range, they're moving up. So the second week signs, assuming it's a, a friendly hitting environment, which you'd imagine it should be, he's going to uh, go up that that list pretty quickly. So jump on that while you can. And then Brantley's comfortable. He gets you a good average, you know, 20 homers, little bit here, a little bit there. No steals. So nothing crazy. If you're building that super balanced team, sure. If you need batting average help, sure. Just not a guy I'm running to uh, to target uh, in my team. So it's, it's Mercado, Conforto, Puig in here. Puig's the steal. He's the steal of this range. But Mercado's got that interesting upside. I like how you talked about that. could be very intriguing this year to keep an eye on Mercado and see where he ends up by season's end. All right, thirty-six to forty, Danny Santana guy you liked at first base for his speed at pick one thirty eight. Uh, Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker, one forty one. Maybe it's his time this year. David Dahl, one fifty one. Can he stay on the field? You got Lourdes Gurriel, at one fifty two. And then Max Kepler, who you're we talking about at one fifty two as well. It's fun range here, getting into some really kind of almost gotta be your guys to take some chances on him. What do you like here?
2: Yeah, this is kind of like the 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 risk. <laughs> the risk group, at least the top three, Um, you know, Danny Santana, obviously like the range of outcomes for him is just so broad. We, he was incredible last year. Um, He has been a, a um, yeah, he was incredible last year. The projection is for 20 home runs, 19 stolen bases with first base and outfield eligibility. I mean, that is really, really nice and potential game changer there. At the same time, he's not good in the field, um, Eno know, uh, and Derek Van Riper. I think we're talking about him on rates and barrels, um, and also Jeff Zimmerman has done some research just about guys who um, don't contribute from a WAR perspective, like they're bad baseball players, um, and whether they're more likely to, um, uh, if they're had drafted higher up in drafts, whether they're more likely to be absolute busts. and And both of them found that they were. So really, he's a guy who could hit that projection or even above that, like he did last year. And just in bring in cra- incredible value where he's going, and at the same time, he could also be dfa You know, before you know it, um, just because like there is some versatility there, but again, he's not good defensively at any position in particular. So he's really a, a, a tough guy. I found it tougher and tougher to take him, just given like the the range of outcomes and some of the other guys that are available um, around him. Like if you're looking for first base, I mean, Carlos Santana is available. Around that same spot, and he's just so, such a rock. Tucker is super interesting. Again, 19 home runs and 17 stolen bases, an $8 valuation. That's in only 426 plate appearances. So you're talking about a guy whose projection right now um, is like 25, 21, like a 2020 guy. If he's able to get a full complement of plate appearances, um, will he or not? Who knows? Um, I don't hate taking a risk on a guy like this at this point in time because I think outfield is deep enough to be able to have somebody to substitute in for him right there. So a lot of risk, a lot of reward, um, really interesting guy. It'll be interesting as, as the season progresses and we get closer, whether we learn a little bit more about what his situation is going to be, because if it's even if he's a strong side of the platoon in the outfield, um, I think he's going to shoot up draft boards for sure. David Dahl was going around like pick 55 or 60 last year. He was really good when he played, but again, he's never been able to get healthy. Um, again, he's going a little bit later. So is he a guy where you don't necessarily need full health? You just need three quarters of a season and to be able to plug somebody else in there to give you a little bit of value. That's, that's a possibility. He's in cores and he's going to play, you know, when healthy, although he's really bad against lefties. Uh, Loris Lar- Gordiel Jr. is actually really interesting to me. Um, what really interested me-, me about him is like his story, like, because he, um, he left Cuba and he, um, and he didn't play baseball for a while. So he was really getting back into it, but you know, you look at his, his, you know, full numbers, uh, in his career is about, is slightly more, right. It's no, it's right at 606 plate appearances, 279, 82 runs, 31 home runs, 85 RBI and seven stolen bases. Uh, yes, please. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh hard hit rate was up 13% last year. Um, he's aggressive. Uh, the contact rate is down a little bit, but he is so aggressive that I think that's one of the things, keeping that K rate reasonable. He's in that kind of Baez, um, Avisel Garcia, uh, super aggressive guys. And then when you look at his people have pointed this out before, but when you look at his projection and you compare it to Glaber Torres is it's, it's pretty, it's pretty favorable. Right. And so I think he's probably the guy that I like the most in this spot right here. I love Max Kepler a lot. He's less valuable going around pick 150, although I've seen him dropping recently. What's his ADP over the last 2 weeks?
1: Over the last 2 weeks, Max Kepler 152 going as high as low as 170.
2: 1 150 going as low as 170. So, if he falls, I'm a little bit more interested, but again, like there's this just group of of outfielders that has a pretty similar profile that's not necessarily spectacular. I liked him a lot more last year going around pick 200 or so. The batting average, you know, the thing that I love about Kepler is like the contact rate is really good. The O swing is pretty good. It actually decreased a little bit last year, but he's generally got a good eye. Um, but he hits so many fly balls at a really high launch angle that the batting average is really hard to sustain at a higher level. And he's really fast, but he's a terrible base runner. Um, so he doesn't really contribute an average in stolen bases. So he's fine. I think he's going to get, You know, he'll probably earn back what you spend, but I don't necessarily see a ton of upside going where he's going right now because of the limited batting average in the stolen bases.
1: Yeah, we have some similar thoughts for sure. Danny Santana's a guy I talked about at first base. The speed's there if you need it, good, but I'm not running to to get Danny Santana. Good ball player, just not my cup of tea. Kyle Tucker, man, if I knew he was going to be playing a good amount, I'd be all in. I agree with people saying, like, you know, you can't have Reddick and these guys stop him. Baker, Baker loves his veterans. So I want to see how camp goes. If Tucker is going to play, like, majority of the time in the outfield or two thirds of the time in the outfield, this guy's got 20 20 abilities so fast. He runs wild. Wow. He's a real, he could be an absolute steal here, or he could just be a guy that sits on your bench and you just wait, wait, wait type stuff. So it's tough. But if you like your early start and you like the player pool coming up, I think Tucker is one of those guys that could be a game changer if you play it just right. So interesting player with Kyle Tucker. David Dahl's is fun. He never stays healthy. The talent's there. You know, if he puts together a full season, he's great. But I'll just wait for Kyle Schwarber or Frank Morayas. That's kind of how I look at it there. Lourdes Guerrero I love. I was all over him last year. He started out horrible, went to the minors. Once he got his stuff together, they moved him to the outfield, the minors, got him work there, came back. He started tearing the cover off the baseball. 20 homers in 84 games, even six steals. Um, His his walk rate went up to almost 6% last year, which is great to see with Gurriel. I think he takes the next step this year. He's only 26 right now. I think big things are to come from Lourdes, and I think he's a – it's tough to say value at this point in the draft, but I still think he's a pretty good value. I'd have him, you know, put him up there with – the the Brantley-Conforto range for me. I, I like Lourdes quite a bit. I think he's got that ceiling that can be pretty, pretty sneaky for you on this one. Um, and then Max Kepler, you, you talked about him. Very good player. I'd rather have Guriel. I'd rather have Schorber, Reyes. Uh, if Kepler was on next week's pod, it would make more sense to me. That would be much more appealing. But um, unfortunately not. It's it, It's weird because, like you said, We've been Kepler fans. He, you know, went from 19 to 20 to 36 home runs. batting RBIs went up, all that good stuff. The average even got better. He's still only been playing baseball for a handful of years from Germany. Didn't play his whole life. He's getting better every season. I don't know what the next step is for him. I think we've kind of, last year, I think it's kind of like that ceiling season. And, um, you know, if he takes a step back, this pick's really going to stink. So uh, Max Kepler at this point, just not something's that's going to do it for me. That's the unfortunate factor. So in this range, Gurriel's big, big fan here. Tucker's the big upside player for me. All right. The last grouping on part one of the outfielder, 41 through 45, a guy that I just, I love. Beer league softball body playing some outfield for the, for, for the Cubs and Wrigley. Kyle Schwarber at pick one fifty six, Franmil the Franmil at pick one fifty seven, Byron Buxton who people just can't quit at one sixty three, Scott Kingery at one sixty four, and Garrett Hampson at one sixty six. That is quite the way to finish us off. Kingery and Hampson would surprise me to tell you the truth. To be here, what do you got for this range?
2: Yeah, I'm with you on um, on Schwarber. I think of all these guys. Um... Schwarber is the guy that I like the most. I mean, they're very different profiles, right? You got a lot of speed coming into play here. And so that obviously, I think, um, it depends on what you need at this point in the draft. Like the team that I'm drafting right now, which is limited on speed, would definitely look towards the back half of this. Um, But with Schwarber, I really like um, uh, a lot of the things that I saw last year towards the end. Again, like you look at his rolling average graphs, had pretty consistent contact, right? We always think of Schwarber as being a guy who, you know, swings and misses a ton, but it's not really the case. Like he, you know, 82.6% in zone contact rate is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. His hard hit rate shot up to the highest point at 49% over 40 games um, in his entire career, uh, which is really nice. And at the same time, his ground ball rate um, was at a not really nice 36% and then the O swing has always been really really sw- solid for Schwarber. so i think it seemed like last year he was really starting to put things together a little bit and then when you combine that with the statcast metrics which are just you know absolutely off the charts the exit velo 97th percentile hard hit rate 99th percentile xwoba 89th xslug 93rd um you know all of that stuff is um Uh, is absolutely uh, wonderful uh, for Schwarber. I really, really like it. And then when you look at, I'm getting more familiar with the rolling average graphs over at um, Baseball Savant. You can actually get them just by going to player pages and then clicking on breakdown, which is in the blue little bar there. Um, Over his last 100 plate appearances, uh, 443 expected WOBA, really shooting Um, through the roof and just improving, 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 416 over his last 200 plate appearances. Um, I believe the average exit velocity, if my memory serves me correctly, is also in an upward trend. So everything from the batted ball quality to the contact to the O swing is all looking really, really nice for Schwarber. And where he's going right now, he's a guy along with Miguel Sano, where it's kind of like, I wouldn't be surprised if he hit the most home runs. This year, like he'd be probably somebody that I'd want to put money on because the odds will be pretty low. But really, really like him, um, and and the most of this group right here for Reyes, I think he's kind of a lesser Schwarber. I don't think he has the contact skills that Schwarber does. Um, although the the Statcast metrics are also elite for him. I have him as an eleven dollar player. Schwarber as eleven, but I see Schwarber having the higher um, ceiling just more generally. Uh, Buxton is obviously, you know, the, the price is a little bit right for Buxton in the sense that, you know, let's say he gets injured and he only plays for 40, 400 plate appearances at this point in time, if you have him in for 400 and you have some like leave league average guy or slightly better than the average guy for another 200, that's a very good player you're getting. And so the price is a little bit right for Buxton um, going where he's going right now. Kingery is a guy where the batted ball quality has improved. The plate skills are still a little bit of a mess with the O swing being high the contact rate being a little bit of low, but he's at least improving in one element of it. Um, And I think the stolen bases at the third base position at this point in the drafts is really nice. He's terrible in OBP, but in a batting average, he's, he's actually has the highest value based on his ATC projection at $12. And then Hampson again is a guy similar, similar to some of the other guys we've mentioned where it's just such a huge risk. And at this, at this spot, I just don't think I can do it with Hampson. I think I'd rather take a gamble later on with some higher upside guys, then do that right here. Um, because you could go with like a Buxton, who I think is going to get playing time and is likely to produce pretty similar, if not better uh, stats than Hampson at a pretty similar price. So I think Hampson's the guy that I'm not going to own on any teams here. I think right now I have like two or three shares of Schwarber, one of Fran Mill, zero of Buxton, one of Kingery, and zero of Hampson that should give you a sense of kind of how I feel about them generally.
1: It's an interesting range. Um, I, I started playing with those rolling graphs on Savant when we started talking about it and Schwarber's page is just dreamy, absolutely dreamy. When you want to see just graphs peak at the right time. So uh, yeah, big, big Schwarber fan. I said it a million times on these shows. You've echoed it uh, or I've echoed you either way. Uh, huge, huge Schwarber fan this season. I really really hope he does not disappoint because I have a lot of high hopes there. So I like him much higher than this. Like was, he's the 41st outfielder here. I have him, I think I even ranked him like the top 30 on mine. I'm, I'm a, a huge, huge upside guy with Schwarber. Uh, fernando has got a, a lot of upside, but there's more question marks in that uh, Cleveland outfield. So something to keep an eye on when you're looking at that. Still very, very talented, but there's a lot of moving parts there with the different outfielders in play. Uh, Buxton's interesting because you're, to me, you're still p- pay, paying a good price for Buxton, but like you said, comparing him to Hampson, the upside with Buxton is tremendous. If you look at his his, his numbers last year before he got hurt, he was swinging it so well. The power-speed combo was great. And then he got hurt and it just kind of never never came back together. Um, there's a lot, lot to like there with Buxton. Just health is not one of them, unfortunately. But if you want to take the gamble, there could be tremendous upside there. I'd rather have him than Garrett Hampson, like you said, because Hampson, I just don't know where his playing time is coming from. And then I'm a Kingery fan, talked about it, uh, I believe it was a third-base podcast, as a, as a late corner infield, outfield option for you, some power speed to take a peek at. Um, should be starting every day, especially out the gate for Philadelphia. Uh, Bob, they, people say Bob's supposed to come up and play third base, but his defense is really, really bad. Kingery can play all over the infield, he can play the outfield. As long as he's hitting, he's going to be fine. You know, projections, ATC, 20 homers, 18 stolen bases, 245. In the minors, he's been two. He's two sixty last year, and then you know three thirty three, two ninety four, three thirteen. So maybe you two eighty average. Maybe the projections are low on the average part. And if that average goes up, the other stuff in the projection should go up as well. So Kingery, I do like quite a bit. So in this range, it's Schwarber, um, I guess Franamil, and then Buxton and Kingery for me. So lots and lots to like there. All right, that wraps up our top 45 ADP. We'll do the other 45 next week. But for now, let's get to some of the listener questions. If we don't get to your question today, it's because it involves players for next week. So we will get to it. I have it saved here for you. We will talk about it. Um, If we don't do it today, we'll do it next week. A J.D. Davis question, he's in the first grouping for next week. We'll do that one next week. But Prospects365 asks us, Toby, how much negative regression should we expect from Eddie Rosario in 2020? Think he can still be a top 500 player? Oh, that was joking with you. Will he be DFA'd? Joking with you. But the regression part, what's your thoughts? You talked about him. Why don't you reiterate what's your thoughts on him regression-wise?
2: First of all, Ray, how dare you ask such a question? <laughs> my God. <laughs> You're going straight after my, my heart and soul, my gift-making ability, everything. All in one question. Um, So for Rosario, I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier on. Like, I think that one concern I have is just the plate discipline is horrible and it gets worse and worse and worse. But, you know, he's got everything. He makes a ton of contact, um, especially for a guy with his plate discipline. I mean, 14.6% strikeout rate, 80% contact overall, and being hyper aggressive. Um, He hits the ball decently hard, he hits a ton of fly balls. Um, he's in a nice uh, right, left-handed hitter's park in Minnesota. I mean, it's not the best in the world, but um, he hits that porch all the time. He's consistently providing uh, a ton of value. So I think he's going to be really, really good. But he does fall into that category of guy who's like a lot better in fantasy than he is in reality. And so the likelihood that he does get traded, I think it, that's still definitely a possibility. I know the Twins were thinking about shopping him. Um, I know they have some guys in the minors who can also push up. So he, he definitely won't lose plate appearances because he'll go somewhere and start there. But I think overall he's a very solid commodity from a fantasy baseball perspective who continuously returns a decent amount of value. And I think, especially with the batting average and home run combination, um, I think that's a really nice, uh, he's a really nice piece. I actually don't own him a ton of places. Like I liked him more when he was going like two years ago in the 115 range. and. um but I think like given kind of some of the changes with the ball um and how things have um you know just changed with like what is what where value is, the batting average is certainly helpful, but some of the other categories aren't uh, as um important as they maybe used to be, and so I think for that reason, um I maybe am not targeting him as much. I think there's a lot of guys going around pick ninety that are just really nice baseball players that provide a little bit more speed with some of the other things that he provides. So again, like him, he's all right. Um, I definitely think, you know, the, the, the the play discipline results in a high variance approach. So high highs, low lows, but overall solid.
1: All right. Dave Petro Petro's yellow. We have two questions, but they will be next week, Brian Reynolds, JD Davis stuff. We will get to those next week uh armchair analytics asks charlie blackman is an nfc adp of 40 why so low well to be honest that's not that i i think it's kind of high for charlie Blackman. now he's going about 53 we went over the other options there it's just a outfield's deep b a lot of pitchers are going and other position short stops or like, there's 10 short stops in the top 50 to 60 it's just where blackman's falling because he doesn't run anymore he, when you take away those stolen bases, he's like a lot of other players
2: in the outfield. So that's the why I see him going there. What's your thoughts, Toby? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. In my, in my valuations, you know, uh, with the AC, using the ATC projections, I have him as the ranked as the 50th best player. And, you know, he's going 53rd, like you just mentioned. And I think the challenge is, like you've just mentioned, Bubba, I like the stolen bases. The stolen bases have just dried up, 17, 14, 12, 2. Um, again, the batting average is great. The home runs are solid. The runs are amazing. The RBIs are okay. So really he's like a strong contributor in three categories, uh, solid in one um, or strong in one, and then uh, not really that helpful anymore in another. And I don't anticipate that that's going to go up too much. So he's a very solid profile. I don't think it's a mistake to draft him. I just think he's falling because the skill set that he has is not as valuable as it was. The skill set he has now is not as valuable as the one he used to have that people are used to.
1: Yes. Brandon Waddell asks Gallo or Solaire? I think they're going about the same ADP. Yes, Gallo is going pick 87. Solaire pick 95. We kind of already hit on this. Very similar power production, but Soler's average much, much sexier. So it's Soler for me. Soler for you, Toby?
2: Uh, solar for me, yeah, going away. But I'm not really well, – I, I don't have a ton of Soler because I'm just not targeting that profile at this point in the draft, though.
1: Well, yeah, it's like you said. You can get Kyle Schwarber a bit later. So totally, definitely something to enjoy there. Uh, do, 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 yeah, Ben Tidd asks, at breaking Ben underscore T, am I wrong in thinking Harper is worth a second-round pick in a 12-team league? I think you're not wrong at all. I think he's a late first-round, early second-round pick in 15-team leagues. So, noah, you're not crazy. Do you think he's crazy for thinking he's a second round pick?
2: no, uh I do not either. I have him as my twenty seventh ranked player uh twenty four dollars back end of the second round in a fifteen team league in a twelve team league. I do think it's a little bit of a stretch just because I think you know especially in that format, you know the shallower the league, the more the scarce categories matter, and those are batting average and stolen bases, so Harper doesn't necessarily hurt you there, but he does. Uh, hurt you a little bit in batting average compared to some of the other guys that are going uh, in this spot. Uh, I think in OBP leagues though, in OBP leagues, I think you can make a case for um, Harper to be, you know, back end of the first round, um, early second round with Juan Soto in a pretty similar um, position there, maybe not as high as Soto, but right behind him. Uh, that's where I can, I can make the case for him being pushed up a decent amount, but I think second round is fine. Like you're not, you're not doing anything crazy by doing that. I wouldn't have him in the second round of the 12-teamer, though.
1: And, and the, he he mentioned, I forgot to read it, I, he has him as his seventh out footer behind Acuna, yellow, Trout, Betts, Bellinger, Soto. Yeah, we kind of agree with that as well. So dead on there, Ben. Um, Eric Samulski, we will get to your question next week on the Raising the Reds outfield as we have many more of those guys to talk about next week. Um, we will get to Matt Olson's question about late round outfielders as well next week. All right. Right. Cubby Knoll, good old Cubby Knoll, standard five by five. He did this with tongue in cheek because he knows they're all next to each other in ADP and we just kind of all compared them. Conforto at pick 130, Schwarber is going actually much later at 156 and the at 157. How do you rank those three out? Uh, say them one more time. Conforto, Schwarber, Franmil.
2: Conforto, Conforto, Schwarber, Franmil. I would probably go... Hmm, this is a tough one. Uh, Franmil is is definitely towards the end. Um, I am going to go Schwarber, Conforto, Franmil will be the order yeah. that I would rank them in. I just think that Schwarber he showed something towards the end of last year, um, you know, just to give you a sense, like over his last 200 plate appearances, um, his expected batting average. And again, it's not predictive, but it was 290. Um, And that's the highest it has ever been over a, uh a, a two, um, a 200 plate appearance sample for him. And I think that just reflects kind of like the improvement in contact Uh uh, quality and just a pretty solid and steady contact rate this past year. So I would go Schwarber and then Con- Conforto. i also think Schwarber has a better situation. Um, so, yeah, that's how I'd rank it.
1: Yep, I agree with you there. Schwarber, Conforto, Fran Mill for me as well. Uh, North Shore Havoc has two questions. First, Mills, do you think Fran Mill is a sneaky candidate to lead the American League in home runs this year?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, when you look at him, I think every 600 plate appearances, he's averaging like 38 home runs. I did an article about it earlier um, in the uh, in the year when I drafted him at the first pitch Arizona draft. But I mean, his atc projection is 35 in 557 plate appearances. You know, if he can get 600 plus plate appearances, I think 45 is definitely in the realm of possibility, and and that's going to be in competition for the lead league probably. So. Uh, definitely. I mean, he's another guy along with Schwarber that wouldn't be a bad bet uh, as a, an MLB uh, like him, Sano, uh, Sh- uh, Schwarber would be guys that I would put some money on probably the odds right now of of being the home run champ.
1: Yeah, the Fran saying he's like in the best shape of his life. He's lost weight. He's swinging better. I wouldn't be shocked if he has a big year home run wise. That power is ridiculous with Fran Mill. The other question from North Shore Havoc, Kyle Tucker exclamation points does reddick finally get out of his way are we going to see a 2020 breakout like i hinted at if if we get like three quarters of a season we got 2020 you gotta hope reddick gets out of the way but dusty baker's there uh the talent is there with tucker if you want to take the gamble i got no problem with it but it's risky what's your thoughts on that toby
2: yeah i think i think it's acts uh i think it's totally the the same thing yeah i mean mm-hmm. A yes, yes, could he do it? Absolutely, um, and, and I don't think it's a terrible pick to grab him where he's going, given what what we know is the potential twenty twenty upside if he gets enough plate appearances. Um, but you know, again, it's 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 a risk risk reward thing, and I think we'll get a we'll get a clearer sense. I think the challenge is we'll get a clearer sense the closer we get to the season, and as a result, his value will change accordingly. So it's almost like you hope that he's not he's not. In the in the strong side of the platoon, you know that he's like not that he's in the minors, but like maybe he has he's relegated to the bench or something like that, and so that his his draft price price decreases any more even more, and you can pick him up with the, with the hopes of of kind of getting get striking striking gold, um, you know when somebody gets injured or when somebody uh, doesn't play.
1: All right, the question from Alfonso Dietrich: two of the three guys we discussed in this would you rather type idea. So we'll go. We'll do the whole thing here, and it's weird because they're not really close together. So you have to really kind of think about this. But who will be a better value at the end of the season? Justin Upton, Marcelo Ozuna, or Lourdes Gurriel? So Ozuna's going to want to pick one hundred and four. So the level of value is not as much. Gurriel at one fifty two, you could see a little value there for sure. And then Justin Upton at two twenty five, who is as consistent as they come, was hurt all of last year. Assuming healthy, which he says he is, could be back for another thirty one hundred one hundred 100 type thing. For me, I'm going with Upton. What are you going with?
2: Yeah, like our, I'm assuming we're talking like dollar value of... Um,
1: yeah, I'm assuming best dollar value by end, <clears throat> end of the season.
2: Improvement. Oh, man, this is a tough one. I mean, it's a great question because I think with all three of them, I think there's reasons to believe um, either one will... Um, do that. Uh, let's see. So right now, uh, Guriel. I have Guriel as sixteen and a half dollar player. So let's give him seventeen dollars um, at uh, pick eighty-one. Um, his ADP is that's the eighty-first best player. That's one hundred twenty-seven. Uh, is his ADP? And that is like a $13 pick. So even though it's like a really big margin, it's like a $13, $14 pick. So you're only talking about $3 worth of value there. So yeah, I would probably go Upton just because he is going so late um, in drafts. $6.7 $6. $6. player. Well, oh man, this is tough. I'm. <laughs> this is a really difficult question. It's a great question. It's an absolutely phenomenal question. Um, Oh, screw it. I think I'm actually going to go with Azuna because I think the batting average in his projection is pretty low. It's like 272, I think. Um, I think with the Braves, he's going to knock in a ton of runs. They also aren't shy on the base paths, the Braves. And so I think the stolen bases could be decently there. And so I think if he outperforms that projection, going where he's going right now, I think he's going to be able to generate a pretty significant amount of value. So I'm going to go with Ozuna. I think the problem with Upton is I'm just not sure whether the stolen bases that he traditionally provides are going to return given like the lower leg injuries, given that he's older, a little bit slower, and, and the lineup that he's in right now. And and the batting average is, is the other weakness. And so I think it's just hard for him to generate a ton of value um, in a pure valuation standpoint. I think he's a great pick going where he's going. Um, but, you know, I think Ozuna has the skills to really – Outperform and be like a top, you know, 50, top 30 guy, even um, if everything fall, falls right. So,
1: there we go, Alfonso. You wrapped his head in a pretzel, you got him, you had him all over the place. It was perfect. Um, last question first HJ's 56. We'll get to you next week on some value guys. Uh, David Doak asks, Don't see much love for Max Kepler this year, have him for two dollars on both my leagues, thought he'd be a locked you keep in my nine keeper league but not sure now what are your thoughts on him this year okay so what i'm getting him in is he has him as two dollars for as a keeper in a nine team keeper league i'm assuming is what that says what are your thoughts on him this year well we both think he's very very good we think there's better players around him but for two dollars i'd be hard pressed to say no depending on what else you have what about you
2: yeah, absolutely. I think you're right on. I mean, he's an $11 player, according to my evaluations, that's 15 team league. He's probably a little less in um, in 12 team league. So it depends on the depth of the league. But, you know, even at $2 draft cost, you're gaining $7, but it all depends on who your other eight keepers are, right? And I think the reason why he's maybe seems a little underrated is just that the skills that he provides are the three least important in my, not not least important, but like the three least valuable, right? Like he's not an elite home run hitter. He hit 30 last year, I think, or 30, close to 30. He's projected to hit close to 30, but that doesn't necessarily make, that's not that special in today's day and age, unless the ball changes and he's able to maintain that. Um, And then the runs and the RBI should be, you know, really good, both of them. But again, the batting average and the stolen bases just aren't great. So I think for that reason, he's not necessarily undervalued. I think he's going about where he should be going, if not maybe you know slightly above where he should he should be going. Um, but um, yeah, so again, like I think he's a great keeper at two dollar cost. Um, but you know, he's just not special necessarily. Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, that'll do it for this week. We have about four or five listener questions. We've got another one in from John Payne for next week. Uh, and plus, we'll get more. We'll ask for those again next week to do 46 through 90 on ADP Outfielder Part 2. Uh, any parting thoughts on the Part 1, Toby?
2: Um, not really. You know, I've, I've said this throughout the draft season, but I think the outfield is super deep. I think there's a lot of different profiles um, that folks can get. Um you know, even deeper in the drafts. I'm going to be, I'm really interested to look at the last 45. I think that's going to be a super helpful um, exercise. Like obviously I've been studying the playing pool and I've been playing a lot of really deep drafts, but I think it'll be really nice to kind of just look at them and really focus in specifically on outfield. But yeah, I think there's a lot of different profiles. I think it's really deep. I don't mind waiting um, to get it. In fact, that's kind of like my preference. Um, If I were to choose how how a draft were to unfold, because I think just all throughout, you have some really good players that can provide you whatever it is that's missing on your roster at that point in time. So um, a lot of fun, though, Bubba. This was this was great. I love the way that um, you organized it, and, and um, yeah, really enjoy. I really enjoy yeah. talking to you, man.
1: So do I. I love talking. It's three days in a row. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. We don't have anything planned. I might have to just give you a call see how see, see how things are going. Yeah. But uh, I agree. It's fun looking at the outfield because it's deep, but it's like we talk about make sure you know where you're going deep because you can fill a lot of different stats that you need. But if you wait too long, it can get interesting. I'm not saying you're in trouble. It can get interesting, though. So I do like the outfield quite a bit. We're finding like that sweet spot of the Shoreburg area, Mercados, that we like. And We've got some fun ones coming up, 46 through 90. And it will really get you prepped for your drafts coming up uh, as they approach the season, give you a better idea of the player pool, where you should be going, bobbing or weaving, those kind of fun things. So we'll be back with you on that next Monday as usual. You can find Toby on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. I'm at BDM trick and this is Bub and the Batflip episode twenty four. Outfield preview part one. Catch you guys later.